Thank you very much for having me uh, and welcoming me to San Diego. We talk about making things and working together and being collaborative in our process. And what tends to happen a lot of times is we have a lot of discussions about design, about the things we're building. Yes, that's me in that mask. I'm a Mexican wrestling model in my free time. So what happens is we work with other people. If you, are, you own your own company, you work with clients. If you work in an organization, you work with um, you know, executives, product managers, marketing professionals, business analysts, developers. And if you're a designer, you better be working with your developers. You know, that's, we have all these conversations that happen. And a lot of times, these conversations don't always go as smoothly as we'd like them to be. Right? Conversations hurt. And as a, design, as a designer, as someone who's making things, it becomes really frustrating to have to try to work around and have conversations and get the places we want our design to go. And so, like, how do we do this? How do we improve this discussion, right? Well, it's really, I believe, that the key to the communication that we have with the product we're building is centered in critique. Because critique is this idea, I mean, most of us probably know what critique is in here. If you went to school, you probably got critiqued by a professor who made your life a living hell. Or, you know, if you've worked on a design or you've worked with a client, someone's told you to make the logo bigger, make it pop. We've heard all these concepts of what we think critique is. But it's really important to talk about critique because we don't really understand necessarily what it's for. And that's what I'm hoping our discussion today will lead us towards is more productive conversations around design, which will allow us to collaborate better with the teams that we work with. When we critique, we create specific opportunities to engage other people that we work with. So not only are we partnering to build whatever we're building, but we have these unique moments where we have to talk about them, about where something's going and how it gets there, which leads to better collaboration. It leads to teamwork. And it can lead to stronger relationships within our teams and our organizations. It builds collaboration. It builds trust. Overall, learning to critique just makes you a better communicator in general. You learn how to listen. You learn how to talk to people. So I don't know about you, but like, I hear a lot of stuff on critique. One, if you want to see like lots of bad examples of a critique, just open Twitter. Oh my gosh, the iPhone 6 is an iPad mini. And all my friends now are amazing. Which none of them told me. They're all Apple product design experts. Thousands of them. And I'm like, man, where have you guys been? You should have told me. I'd love to work at Apple with you. And the problem is, is we all have these opinions and ideas of what things should be. And we hear a lot of them. We hear a lot of things like, this is actually all quotes from people as well um, that I gathered over time. I would never use this. I don't like the layout. Uh, my, one of my favorites, what the hell is this? I'm pretty sure this is a design that we're working on together. Are there any other questions I can answer for you? Um, it doesn't have enough spunk. I'm not, I'm pretty, I will, I'll classify myself, classify myself as a decent designer, but I've never really designed anything with spunk before. So if you guys know that one, please let me know and I'll send you a free copy of the book. Um, None of this is what I asked for. That sounds like a major communication breakdown to me. Because you worked on something and showed it to them, then where did that ask come from? It's not what they asked for. It's really easy to fall into this and be like, man, that mother effer in marketing tells me to make it pop one more time. The design's not what's going to be popping. Or, oh, this executive came in and swooped and pooped and shit all over my design and we get all really upset, right? Well, if we take a few of these away, man, some of those harsh ones, these are all from designers. So we're equally as guilty in this conversation. Conversation is a, is, it's a two-way street, right? Critique is so much more than just this idea of feedback. And I, I, it's, it's a better form of feedback. It's not that it isn't feedback, but it's a more useful, productive form of feedback. And what happens is we give things 
uh, it's so interchangeably used with critique. Like I can say, like, man, you know, that design, that path blue is just, ah, uh, it's horrible. I'm like, what? okay, well, sorry. What? Oh, I was just giving you my feedback. You know, I, everything we say, like, kind of like when you say, like, not to be rude, but you know you're about to be rude, right? That's what's going to happen. You're going to get shit on by somebody when they say not to be rude, but, or this is just my opinion, but it's that same thing. So we need to kind of understand the difference between feedback and design. And feedback is often that instantaneous response in the moment. If you're seeing something for the first time, you're like, oh, dear God, that orange is horrible, right? That's, a, that's feedback. That's, a, that's an instant response. A person can't really do much with that. As a word, critique is this journey. It's, critique is the process that happens and the communication that happens around improving a design throughout the product's life cycle. Critique doesn't end when you launch a product. You know, your, your V1 goes live, critique's not done. It's like, oh, good, we've got ourselves to V1. It continues until that product no longer exists. It's this collaborative communication that's living. And the beauty about critique is that it's this form of analysis, right? It's me looking at with you. It's not me showing my design to you and waiting for you just to give me your feedback. Together, we're looking at the work we're building and we're analyzing. Is it on the right track? Is it meeting the goals that we've, the business has set out as well as the design has been out, the things it needs to accomplish for our user base, for our customers? Is it accomplishing these things? That's critique because you can continue to do that over and over again and build your product and, and tell when it's going on the right path and when it's not going on the right path. And then you can make the corrections iteratively that you need to because you're having productive design conversations about your work. One of the most important things with critique is that it's presented in a way that the person receiving it, one, understands it, and two, can do something actionable with it, right? So it's like we're using this critical thinking to have better critique conversations. Remember some of those things we saw and they're like, what the hell is this? Okay. How does that help me, like, figure out what's not working in the design and improve it? Because that's the ultimate purpose of the meeting. Like, if you just want to vent, that's cool, too. We'll do a different meeting for that. But when I'm having this, this situation where you're telling me things that I can't use to move a design forward, it becomes frustrating for all of us. We start to butt heads. Communication drops off, and the product starts to, to not necessarily go the direction that we need it to. So, I mean, most of us have partaken in some aspect of critique, and it's Usually two facets, right? Giving and receiving. Someone's giving critique and someone's receiving critique. That's usually, just a little pro tip, a lot easier to be on the giving side than the, than the receiving side because at the core of critique is intent, right? Why am I providing this feedback? Why am I providing these insights to someone so that they can improve their design? And on the other, hand, other side of that, why am I asking? What is my need to ask for this, this critique or this feedback? for my design? Is my intent for the best uh, situation and progress of the product? Or, I mean, am I asking critique because I just kind of need, like, maybe, like, a good game and, like, a hug because I just, I'm, like, need to be validated? Or am I giving critique because I want people to see how much I know about design or UX or development? When we do those things, we sacrifice the progress of the product as well as the relationships and the communication structure of our teams. So what would be some example of critique that's self-focused? This is the wrong intent, right? Anybody know who that dude is besides Kevin Spacey? That's the, that's the distinguished Mr. Underwood from House of Cards. The single most selfish, conniving mother effer since Don Draper, <laughs> right? Right. But everything that guy does, even if it's a compliment to someone or feedback on how they do something or how he's spinning something, is for his own self-interest, right? The same thing with critique. 
if we start to do this, if we start to take this selfish approach to why we're we're giving someone critique, if, and then, and this is, I mean, don't don't take this as kind of being harsh about it, but it's it's just known that we all want to be liked, right? We all want to be validated, so it becomes very easy throughout the process of, especially if we're new in a team or working with a new client, we want to be heard and seen and understood as knowledgeable about our craft and what we do. So it can become very easy to become more critical of things as a means to show how much better we are to everyone else than they think, or that we have the specific knowledge that we don't think they're understanding yet, so we kind of put ourselves out there further to try to gain that. Actually, what that does, though, is that kind of starts to put a divide. It starts to put every time we do that, we put a roadblock in the path of critique. Every time we uh, approach critique in a selfish manner or focused on our own individual goals instead of our team or the product, we put a hurdle, we put a roadblock in the way of our product meeting the goals the way it should. So, I mean, giving critique with the right intent is objective focus. We're on a journey trying to get somewhere with our product, right? Maybe your product is not a fuzzy car, but nonetheless, there's an objective. And that allows us to remain uh, impartial, to remove ourselves from the equation. Great critiques are a conversation. They're a dialogue. And when we can remove our self and put the focus on the product, it becomes very, uh, it starts to become so much easier. It starts to become like second nature to give some feedback without worrying about hurting someone's feelings or receive feedback without getting your own feelings hurt or, you know, get, you know, it, it takes a lot to receive feedback on your work. You, you've poured your, you, just the fact that you're even here tonight shows that you pour yourself into your work and you want to do great things, whatever those things are. And to receive critique and feedback on those things can be very intimidating. I'm, I still get super intimidated by it to this day. It just doesn't change. It's the only thing in life I get nervous about, ever. And it's still, and I don't think that will ever change. And it's, so it's good to remind myself that by focusing on the product, it's not about me. Even if my decisions are not correct, that's okay, because nothing is perfect. There's not one perfect thing the first time it's done, ever. We need critique. We need the conversation around design to be improved so that we can improve, so we can understand that, yes, it's not perfect, but the goal of this conversation, the goal of our critique is to get this where it needs to be. So some tips. Use a filter. This is pro I put this in this slide deck, I think, a few times, simply as a reminder of myself, because I'm absolutely horrible at this. Um, you know, when, when you start, if you're in a meeting and you're starting to review work or concepts, because the beauty about critique is you can critique anything. If you're a developer, critique is just important to you as it is to the designer. If you're an architect, if you're a product manager, if you're a business analyst, critique is important. You can critique anything. You can critique Excel sheets if you want to. Does it show the data the way it needs to? I mean, whatever you want to critique and improve to make it more helpful, you can. When we're in those situations, gather your initial thoughts and then revisit them in the right context. Because what will happen as a part of human nature is you will see something and a thought will pop into your head. Like, oh, that's badass, which is still positive but not helpful critique. Or, ah, this is, what is this? What were they thinking? It's important to slow down, listen to them, explain what they were thinking, and then lead with some questions so you can get the right context and then reframe your feedback to them so it's helpful for them and for the product. Don't assume. This happens a lot, right? This is what I talk about when everyone, anytime new product launches or something like that, we always see people on Twitter talking about it, complaining about it. We assume we know what's going on behind closed doors. Designers and developers and product teams and clients that we work for are facing constraints and challenges. If you work with the government, you understand this. If you work in financial services like I do, you clearly understand that there are just immense amount of constraints. Healthcare has them. Everything has constraints, and we don't always understand what the teams were facing. A lot of times, they put out the best they could with what they were dealt. Find out what that was, and maybe you can help through critique 
then finds new avenues and new ways to innovate around those hurdles as opposed just to assuming that they didn't have them and discrediting the work they did. Don't invite yourself. This is also, you know, I mean, how would you like to just walk up and be like, yo, those shoes are stupid. More than likely, it, if you're bigger than me, you'd punch me in the face, <laughs> which I don't recommend, but it doesn't feel good. Um, but really, have you ever had someone come up and offer you some feedback or some critique on something that you didn't want? The, the, I can guarantee, more than likely, won't bet money, that the very first thing that happened is that you got defensive. Well, what do they know? We don't, they don't even know what I was dealing with here. And what happens? Huge barrier to communication because one person's expressing something, whether their intent is right or wrong, and the other person is completely in defense mode now. And so there can't be a productive conversation because their only thought is to backpedal and prove that person wrong because they came on too strong. Don't invite yourself. Reach out. What I do a lot of times is like, hey, I saw that work you did. I'd love to chat with you about it. I mean, very easily just buy somebody a beer or lunch. They're really amicable to be being bribed. It works. I do it all the time with my team. Uh, and the other teams, the cross-functional teams we have, if I see some of their work, I reach out to them after. Hey, you got time to chat about that later. I, I, I saw that. I had some more questions, and I had some thoughts I wanted to run by you. It makes that conversation so much easier. Lead with questions, right? Show an interest in someone's process. That helps diffuse that defensive nature when we're talking about our designs and what we're working on. This is kind of like making someone feel like you're interested in them. And you might be. Maybe it might not be, but either way, it's going to make the conversation a lot better because you've showed an interest in their process. And usually, if you don't show an interest in my process and you start giving me a bunch of feedback, I have quite a few words for you, none of them to be repeated on this stage because I don't give a shit, right? Go do your own thing. You're not even showing interest in my process. You just want to seem really smart. And you might be. Good for you, man. Like, show an interest in my process. Help me solve this. Help me work through this. Big, 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 like one of the number one things I would suggest. A lot of times with critique, we get in this mindset of like, we got to figure out all the things that aren't working so we can fix them. And that's a really good idea because we want to make sure that the product is going in the direction it needs. But then what also tends to happen is we forget to mention the things that are working. Critique is the path to successful product design. So if we're going down that path and we're only figuring out what's not working, we may go back, someone may go back and make revisions on what they found out wasn't working and change something that was because they didn't know. Better yet, when you find out what is working in a design, you can check those patterns out and possibly reuse them in other places in design because you know they work for that scenario, for that persona, and for that situation. So it's really important to identify things that are working as well as things that aren't. And I'll talk about this later, but this is a great time to, to possibly do something where to make it easier to critique, start with the positive first, and then when they feel really good, then come give them with the negative. But you know, just it eases into that conversation a lot better. So... Those are tips for giving critique. Now, receiving critique, on the other hand, maybe not so much, right? That's really tough. It takes a lot of humility and restraint. There's no way around that. Because we pour our lives into our work. We labor. It's our labor of love, right? And then someone's going to come in, and we're going to lay this out on a table, and it's going to be everyone's job to analyze and pick it apart. It's the most uncomfortable feeling. So you have to be humble. You have to just stay mellow and use restraint because what's going to happen is that there's going to be people, clients, coworkers in these meetings that don't know jack shit about design but are going to tell you why your design doesn't work. And it's going to be so frustrating or why that code doesn't work or why this is a bad business model or this product roadmap isn't correct and yet they may have been there all for of all of like one week and you just want to slap them because they don't know. But and you probably are entitled to, not saying that you shouldn't. Just 
we got to slow down. We got to remember this, the product first. We got to remove ourselves from this process and make it focus on the product. Use humility and restraint. Realize that even, I'm, I'll give you guys super important information right now. If you remember anything else, write this down. If you design something and someone says it does not work or they do not like it, you've got, you've got about 80% chance that you're probably still a good person. You're going to be okay, right? <laughs> Hang in there. Use some humility, use some, use some restraint, get through the process and learn from it. What will happen over time is you will get better about that conversation and how you let it affect you. It may still get you a little tense or nervous, but that's okay. It's part of product design. Your work is going to be looked at by others and they're going to provide feedback. So let's get that conversation structured. You know, another thing to think about is, you know, people at times, and I work in corporate, I've worked in corporate probably the last four or five years, and one of the things I learned is there's lots of politics. And a lot of times people will shit on your work or make things personal because, just because. They don't like it, or they're upset because your design got picked over theirs, or whatever the million reasons they have are. Even if people make it personal, don't go there. That's something where you can follow up, have a different conversation at a later time, because when you start to do that, and it becomes a little bit of a war in that meeting, it totally distracts the purpose of the critique. And even though you think they're wrong, and even though they may be being a jerk about it, they may still have valid points that you can use to improve your design. That's a really hard pill to swallow, but it's absolutely true. So write down what they say, even if you break the lead of the pencil doing it because you're so irritated, and then revisit that later and see if there's any weight to it. See if it actually can help you improve. And then go heap calls on their head and say, thank you for that great advice you gave me. <laughs> it really works. And then different discussion next time. So a few things for receiving critique. Remember the purpose. It's about understanding and improvement. It's not about judgment. This is about analyzing what we're making and ensuring it gets to the right place. Think before you respond. And this isn't just so you don't say something rude back to somebody, but this is also so that you clearly understand. What happens is that we work with so many different groups and types of people in different roles, we may all be saying the same thing different ways. Or I may say something that someone understands as something else, or they may talk to me about something, and I understand it as something, and they think it's something else. It's the whole princess and bride thing. That thing you keep saying, I don't think it means what it, you think it means. It's that type of scenario. And so it's really important to reach out and say, so if I understand your insight there, like, thank you for sharing that. If I understand, I'm seeing as you're saying this, this, and this. Here's your, what you think is working. Here's what your concern is. And usually they say, yeah, right on. And so you confirm that. If not, they say, well, no, not really. And then you can help get to what they're actually trying to say. And this will save, like, extra meetings, time, and roadblocks down the road. Participate. This is a great way. You know, a lot of times early on for me when I started really getting frustrated with critique as a whole, I felt like it was like showdown time. I'd bring my designs into the room, they'd come in on the other side of the table, I'm like, who do I take out first? Which one of these motherfuckers is going to crap all over my designs? I went in so upset and frustrated because it was such a frustrating process. One of the ways I found to alleviate that was to critique with them. So, for instance, if I were to put my designs up on a wall and we were all going to critique them, I wouldn't just stand there, like explain them and just join, you know, get the firing squad on me. I would actually turn around and I would start to critique with them. I'd like feedback here because I'm looking at the goals, and I'm not sure this is accomplishing that. What are your thoughts? You start to diffuse that. People aren't going to worry about hurting your feelings because you're participating and critiquing with them. It kind of just helps that conversation go a lot better. Set your foundation. You know, use prior agreements and objectives to get everyone on the same page. This is so, so, so huge. I cannot stress this enough. Use things like personas, scenarios, mental models, goals, business goals, product goals, user stories, whatever it is you have, use those things as your allies and as a guide, right? So that when, 
excuse me, when you go into the meeting and they start asking questions, you can say, well, okay, I understand that concern. And how, how is, how, how would you see that concern in light of this user base or this customer we're specifically designing for? You can start to frame all the conversation around the things that you previously agreed, previously agreed to be true and important for the product. That makes the conversation go a lot easier. And more importantly, it's just really, it's just crucial to have a plan, right? So, here's just a few things that I've done, kind of my own little plan that I actually you can just keep this written down by my desk when I go into a critique scenario. What was the creator trying to achieve? Right? This is how I start thinking through. As I see them explaining their work, demoing it to me, this is what the thoughts that I'm getting through my head. As I'm formulating feedback I might give them, I start analyzing it against what was the creator trying to achieve? How did they try to achieve that? How effective were their choices in trying to achieve that? And why or why is or isn't what they did effective? As I start to think of these, this framework for how I provide insights and feedback to my team and to my clients and the people I'm working with, then I understand and make it easier for them to understand. I can better frame my feedback for them so it makes sense, it's actionable, and it helps that conversation go a lot smoother. So in talking about critique, there's kind of three main areas that I've seen critique take place um, for design teams, product teams. You know, standalone critiques, those are really cool. That's usually just like, hey, if you have a few minutes, I want to run some of my ideas by you. Um, design reviews, a lot of us probably have these, where we have to all look at the work and give it the like, you know, it's good to go, give it the blessing. And then, like, collaborative activities. And so I'll go into these each in a moment. But before we do, you know, just a few things to keep in mind. Critique is a skill. You're not going to be good at this right away. And I mean, if you are, that's rad. Don't, I'm not saying that you can't do it, but what I'm saying is, it's difficult. It's difficult to talk about design with different types of people in different settings over and over again. So it's something to continue to do as much as you possibly can. Start small. Don't feel like you have to come out from here today, go to work tomorrow, and hold a critique of like 12 people with all the people in the business and just hope that it goes well. Start with one person. When I worked at IGN, I had a design director that was great. And we would, at the end of every day, we, the two of us would sit down and just practice reviewing our designs together. What do we work on? How did that go? What were our thoughts? And we'd start talking and dialoguing and critiquing. And that helped us to just get comfortable talking about our design. So when we were with the larger group, it became much easier. And over time, we started inviting a product manager to come with us. And then one more person. Before you know, we had almost five people, just from the two of us to five. And that helped us keep everything on track. Think before you speak. I've mentioned that a few times, mostly just for myself, because I tend not to do that. But that's really important. Is what you're saying helpful to the design process? Is what you're saying helpful to that person who's uh, needing feedback to iterate and improve on their designs? You know, is this going to be something that hinders the meeting, kind of takes it off the rails, or is it going to be productive? And choose who you critique with carefully. Now, this is kind of a tricky one because you can't always choose who's going to be in the room. Sometimes you will have, you know, executives or, you know, managers that absolutely just have to be in there. Other times, you have a little more flexibility. And I would just slowly analyze as you start to go through your critiques, see who's interested, see who the good communicators are, see who the people that actually want to be a part of it, and engage them, and engage them on a, on a more regular basis and get them involved. So a few other things that I've done besides that mental framework of how to frame my questions is I put together a set of rules for critique. Avoid problem solving. This is really hard. Because naturally when you see something you're like, ooh, what if you did this and you moved it over there and do that? That's great. Iteration is great. 
but in the sense of critique, critique is analysis and gathering of information to help move the design forward. So you don't want to switch sides of the brain there and get into like ideation and, and problem solving. You want to stay more in the gathering and analysis mode. Now, if things really start to go that route and it seems like it's going to be a productive conversation, it's completely okay to stop the critique and switch gears into a more collaborative activity that helps you solve those problems and then revisit that critique at a later time. Everyone is equal. This is also kind of a hard one because depending on roles and organizations and clients, people feel like just because whatever letters are in front of their name, they tend to have a say and that everyone needs to respect it. And that's great. We definitely want to respect the people we work with, but at the same time, good ideas and insights come from everywhere. So anyone in that meeting, whether they're a junior designer, whether they've been there one week, five years, they're a business analyst, they're a QA specialist, they are equal and their, their insights are invaluable. So make sure to establish that safe environment where everyone feels comfortable providing and receiving feedback. Everyone is a critic. I mean, I think we all know everyone is a critic, but in reality, this can be very uh, dangerous to the product design process as well as the team because what I've found is that a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about critique if they're not a designer or talking about the design. Maybe they feel like they're not qualified or they're a little intimidated by the conversation. And what happens is you, if, if, if they're not participating, one, you're missing great insights. You're missing possible information that can really be helpful. On the other side of that, they may be quiet the whole meeting, and then maybe an hour or so after the meeting, you get that email with like all the managers and everybody copied on it, and was just like, oh, this guy is falling. I don't know what we're doing with this. And you're like, we just sat in a meeting with me for an hour and didn't say a word, and now you're sending the email of doom and copying all of our managers. We could have solved this problem in that meeting. So it's very important that everyone participates. This is also a tough one. The designer is responsible for next steps. Now this isn't so that designers can walk around and have like veto power, like I didn't like your feedback, I'm not gonna implement that. No, this is more so setting up the designer to be in a position to take the insights and the feedback that they're receiving, go back to their desk, look at the goals, the scenarios, the personas, everything that they understand about the project and measure their feedback about uh, in context of those things and make better decisions for the product moving forward. This allows them to kind of digest and look through the information they've received. A lot of times people may, you know, it's really important to explain that concept because people will become standoffish. Like, well, why is a designer? Just because they're a designer doesn't mean they get the final say. It's not so much about final say as much as it is about pulling back, digesting information, and making better decisions. It's also important to set the right foundation. Personas, these are great. I mean, if you know personas, I don't want to like, you know, be redundant here, but you know, these are just simple things that describe the user you're designing for. There's all kinds of stuff about personas on the internet. Some people like them very long. This person has, you know, a wife, 2.5 kids, a minivan, a white picket fence, and a dog named Spot. I personally like to keep mine very brief, very succinct, just like, this is my user, this is their job, these are their pain points in their current system, those types of things. And it just allows me to keep that information very quick at a glance. I can review it without having to go in depth. Find out what works best for you. And if you're already using personas in a specific way, that's great. But use these to guide the conversation. Measure the feedback you get against the personas. Ask questions in the feedback you get in, in, relate to how, in relation to how that's going to affect the personas. Goals. This is important both for business goals as well for product goals. We want to know what this design, this product, this application, what this is supposed to do. That helps guide the critique conversation because if someone does bring up a concern or something positive, we say, okay, how does that impact meeting the goal we have for this? And that really helps frame that conversation. That really helps people understand why we're critiquing in the way that we are. Principles. This is kind of cool when you're designing, um, you know, just depending, like, 
what you're designing for. If you're designing something for healthcare or financial services, people often get intimidated about entering financial information or, or personal information into healthcare sites. And so they, you want this application to feel safe. You want it to feel trustworthy. These are the type of things that you want the, end, the, the character of the design to be when it's ready to go. So you want it to feel safe or trustworthy, or if it's for a game, you want it to feel fun or whatever that is. Just kind of keep those things in mind so that you can continue to measure that. Again, each of these, each of these artifacts is helping establish a guide along the way to direct the feedback and critique you receive. And then scenarios. These are, I like these sometimes as opposed to user stories, but it goes either way. This is really just, this is what the, you know, little, little snippets of what the user needs to be able to do in the context of the situation. And they're very helpful for designing. And especially when you're critiquing, you know, is if I have this scenario written out for what I want to happen in a certain set of screens or whatever it is, then when I start to get feedback, I can look and see how that's affecting that. Ah, uh, you know what, they're right. That, the feedback they gave me does make sense because that would give them a few extra steps here or we could shorten that by using, you know, analyzing the feedback they gave us. Use these types of things to better understand and implement the critique that you're receiving. So we talked a little bit about standalone critiques. I like these because they're pretty easy to do. I can, when I get off stage here, can walk and sit down with one of you on the couch and we can just talk about some designs you're working on. You can explain the goals, what you're trying to accomplish, and then based on that, I can ask some questions. This is a very simple way to, to elicit feedback on your work. They're very helpful, and it's a great way to get people used to critique who maybe aren't. Or if you have a junior designer on your team or someone who's not as, um, who gets a little intimidated in presenting their work, this is a great way to make them feel comfortable and get them used to uh, talking about their designs and pre presenting their designs and then receiving feedback on them. I mean, this is a pretty straightforward, uh, you know, design process. Observe, evaluate, synthesize, create, refine, observe, evaluate. You know, for me, critique really isn't that observe and evaluate. I was thinking about this because uh, I was doing a bunch of usability testing this last week, and for me, I really felt like critique is this form of research that continues to happen throughout the product because I'm finding information out along the way based on feedback and insights and measurement that are going to help me refine the process. And refine the conversation that I have with my teammates, which is equally as important and very, will have a very big impact on the product. So really, the cool thing about critique is whether you're doing, um, you know, standalone critiques and just grabbing somebody and doing it, whether you have scheduled ones in your design process, um, any of those things, critique is about iteration and improvement. So as long as you're looking to improve whatever you're doing, you can critique it. It doesn't have to be a giant formal thing. Just start having that conversation. Just start having that dialogue. So now that we've talked a lot about critique, kind of do's, don'ts, kind of wrapping our head around what it really is, who should you invite to your critique session? This is really important because if, you, if it's too large of a session, it becomes very difficult to manage the conversation. So what I've learned to do over time is to keep it between three to six people. And I always kind of relate it to going to dinner. At conferences, we go to, to conferences, we often go to dinner or we go out with our friends. And we always end up somehow with a group of 12 people. And it's all these people I really want to see because I only get to see them a couple times a year. But then what happens is we get to the table and the group of 12 people splits into three different conversations. And I don't always get to catch up with everybody quite like I wanted to. And that's because the conversations just aren't that manageable with a larger group of people. So that's why I would say, you know, three to six people. Think of what the goals of your session are. If you're critiquing specific areas of the design that someone needs to have a say in or you really want to gather their feedback, do that. Bring them, invite them into the session. Definitely, your developers should always be a part. Marketing, business analysts, you know, all the people who are a part of this process, get them involved as much as you possibly can. 
Another thing I found really helpful is subject matter experts. If you're inviting someone that that knows about what you're building, or maybe a user, so if you're you know maybe you're designing a support platform, bring one of the customer support agents in to this critique. Explain to them what you're trying to do. Gather their feedback. They're going to be using it. They may have some really great insights based on their daily workflow and, and what they're using that could be really helpful for you. So now that you've got your invitations down, you're getting ready to start, right? Some of the first things you should do is don't, one of the things I really worry about a lot with, and I stress with my team, is no ta-da moments, right? We, as designers, we can always be so into like going back and making all of our little stuff, and then we come out and show it to everybody, we're like, oh, look what I did. And then we wonder why so many questions are asked and there's so much feedback coming out because no one's seen it. So all they, we're putting in them in a position to only have gut reactions, to only have that initial response that's kind of a shock. And so we haven't given them time to really think through the feedback they want to provide. So send out your materials ahead of time. If you're going to critique on Friday, make sure people have them maybe by Tuesday or Wednesday. Send along you know, what, you, what you're going to be critiquing, not just the goals of the product, but what the goals of the critique session are, what screens you like to see, the type of feedback you'd like to receive if you have anything specific. Ask them to answer that, you know, to, to look at those and then come up with any questions and, and answer any questions you may have. That way, by the time you get to the session, everyone's had some time, hopefully, to think through the design, formulate some questions. It helps the meeting go by more efficiently, but as well, it helps people provide better feedback because they've had some time to parse the information, parse the design, and think through what they, what they want to ask you in relation. One thing I would also say is to uh, present quickly. One of the things I've found that um, I can tend to do as well as I've noticed with some of the younger designers on my team is we get like, oh, and then you do this design because we use this form of JavaScript here, and then we start going into like nerd speak for, and then I watch executives slowly just like, they're gone, right? We've lost them. They're glazed over. Just present quickly and efficiently. And more importantly than that, do not defend your work initially. That's one of the things that I would say would be very helpful because you know your, your work is there to get critique. You're there to learn to improve. Wait till people start asking you questions to provide reasoning. It's good to explain, well, I made this decision because of this, but when I say defend, it's more like, well, I was going to make this section a little bit easier, but you know, I just ran out of time, and it was really hard, and like, kind of try to stay away from that and focus more on, I built this because I thought this way that it was going to accomplish this goal for the user. Be very precise, be very efficient, and be careful when talking about constraints. There's going to be constraints, legacy systems, all kinds of things that you're going to have to work through. But a lot of times, executives and stakeholders and others and clients will see constraints and all they see is excuse instead. So wait till afterwards when you have a chance to follow up with them and then raise those constraints. Or, you know, if they do ask a question, it's a good time to raise the constraint then just don't lead with it. Just really get the information about the design out there and start getting people that chance to interact with you, ask questions, and communicate about the design. So when we start to facilitate, right, now we've got everybody in the room, we, we, maybe the rules earlier that I talked about, you might want to post those in the room. When you send that invite out, make sure everybody's there, you know, has those rules to understand. You want to have your goals for your critique. You want to have the things you want to get through in that meeting. And hopefully by facilitating the meeting, when like much along the lines of a lot of things that Kevin Hoffman talked about when he was here, is you want to get through that meeting and get that information so your designers can go back and start working again. Use things like active listening. I heard that, that insight you said, but I want to make sure I understand you correctly. Are you saying this? Get that active listening in there, questioning for clarity. Um, use round robin and quotas. Earlier I talked about how important it is to make sure that you're uh, enforcing or reinforcing and identifying the things that are working in a critique. When people are not familiar with critique, sometimes it's really easy to just set it up for them. 
We're in our critique session. Thank you, everybody, for coming. We're going to go around the room one at a time through the six of us. I'm going to start here. I'm going to work my way around. And I'd like you to give me two things you think are working in the design, one question and one concern. We've already now given them a template and a framework to frame everything they have to say. It helps them express their feedback better when they kind of know how they have to do it. So you're helping them learn to communicate and talk about design because not everyone can and not everyone is in that position to do so. So that helps with facilitation and it just can help to keep a nice structure in the meeting because sometimes people can, you know, they can get talkative, talk over each other and, and meetings can get out of control. So using something like this kind of helps keep that meeting moving on an even keel. Use direct inquiry. Earlier when I talked about everyone being a critic, if you see someone being quiet or not participating, it's great to call on them. If you know someone is in that room that ha you think you, you really want a specific insight from them, like, oh, I bet you they have something to say, don't hesitate to call on people directly. That helps everyone participate. Some people may not be that into it. You may not get much out of them. That's okay. But also, you will uh, help others like who are intimidated to maybe to, to speak up or, or don't think their insights are valuable. That will kind of encourage and coax them out of that and have them participate. Uh, six Thinking Hats is another great tool. It's basically, um, by Edward de Bono, this is just a tool that allows you to analyze your products through different angles. So you would say like, oh, okay, we're working on this design, we're all gonna put on the black hat now and look at our concerns for the design. Or, you know, we're gonna look at our, the emotional response to this design or, or the things that we think are working. And each color of these different hats represents a different way to look at the design. So that's another great way to facilitate and steer the conversation to get the type of insights you want. If you just search Ed, Edward de Bono on, on, on the Googles, you should be able to find you know, the book. I've read the book, it's, it's, it's pretty decent, it was really helpful. And just facilitating and communicating in meetings, it's, it's definitely a good recommendation. Facilitators. When you're first starting, if you're really first starting to implement critique, it's gonna be really hard sometimes to run the meeting and take all the notes. So I would suggest if you have someone to help you facilitate the meeting or take notes, that will make things a lot easier. But as you move on, I would also suggest that if you can control the meeting, then you should take over that facilitation role because when you give that to someone else, you give control of your critique to them. I mean, inevitably, this is gonna happen. Um, there's gonna be really tough people, and that's okay because some of us are difficult people. I know there's been plenty of times when I've been difficult. That's bound to happen. You stick a bunch of people with different backgrounds, experiences, and approaches in a room, ask them to build something, and someone's gonna get difficult somewhere along the line. You know, just set expectations with these guys. Make sure they understand critique. Ask, you know, the quiet people for feedback. We talked about that. Refer back to your personas, your goals, all those things you said from the framework. When someone starts being difficult, you can always take their feedback and steer it back to those things. And that takes the, the focus and puts it right back onto the product. Use things like laddering. Does anyone here have kids or, or, or ever been around a child? Good, I was a little worried for a minute. <laughs> I don't, I'm from San Diego, maybe it'd be different here. Um, <laughs> You know, what happens is, Dad, what, Dad, how come you have so many tattoos? Well, because I like them. Why do you like them? Well, because I like them a lot. Well, why do you like them a lot? Because, hey, look, squirrel, go. You know, <laughs> go, go ask your mom. <laughs> you know, what and now we don't have to be in any way, like, you know, juvenile or, or aggressive, but just start drilling down and asking questions. Oh, you said you have an issue with that color we used of that button or that we're using a drop down here or you know, that this menu has too many items in it. Explain to you why you think that a little more. And then what will tend to happen is the more you question, it'll help them possibly better frame what they're saying so you understand it. Or what they'll end up saying is like, well, it's just kind of my opinion. Which is okay, because we all have opinions, that's okay. But we gotta take those opinions in light of the goals of the product and then move forward with what's best for the product. But that kind of helps get kind of drill down through that 
And another thing I've done with people that are uh, like, especially executives that, or, or people who are maybe in a manager's position that tend to be difficult in meetings or kind of throw their weight around, is I've gone and critiqued with them before the meeting. Like, hey, I know we're having this critique. I just need a few few minutes of your time. And I just chat with them. I show them. Sometimes, as a result of doing that, they don't even come to the meeting because they've got so many other meetings to be in. They feel like, oh, cool, now I can go to this other meeting I was supposed to be in. Or if they do challenge or become difficult in the meeting, that I can then say, like, well, I'm a little confused because when I talked with you previously, you had something completely different to say. Why don't we follow up after this meeting and revisit that conversation? And it kind of just squashes that right then and there, hopefully. But that's a great way to deal with it. So, I mean, you survive the zombie apocalypse of difficult people. What comes next, right? I remember I said in the beginning that critique is a living, active process. So we need to keep the momentum going. We need to keep that conversation, that dialogue alive. And so watch how people participated. This will help you determine who to invite or not invite the next time. You know, document observations, open questions, things like that. Circulate that to the group. Definitely send out an email thanking everyone for their time, explaining, uh, explaining what the next steps are, um, that, and that especially that as you start to look at the feedback, you will follow up with individuals for more insights directly. And so that lets them know that you've received their information and think it through. And if you have questions, you'll come follow up with them. And that's a great time, like if you do have constraints or something in the way, that's a really great time to handle that. So design reviews. This is, these are a little tough. My personal opinion that design reviews have a lot of challenges. Because what happens is, usually you go into design review and it's to get the blessing. It's to get the sign off so that you can go live. So there's way too many people in there. And mo most of them have the intent that they want to see their piece get into the design and to go live. So already the intent for critique, it's not there. It's not in the right place. They're often determined by timelines. So you may not get a design review until all the way to the end of the process. And guess what happens? You get all this insight right before you go live and all these things that have to change and it creates like a firestorm, right? It's not a total fire drill, total mess. Another thing is like you just end up usually because it's so close to launch, you just get a list of changes. You don't get actual insights that you can review and then make a better decision. It's like fine, change X, Y, Z, and then we can go live. So you cannot rely on design reviews as your core source of critique. You need to be critiquing with your team up to design reviews so your design reviews go a lot smoother. Take control. If, if people are offering lots of insights and kind of, kind of pushing the agenda, just start asking questions. Use that laddering. Get in there and ask questions. Really kind of drill down and see what the issues are. Recap the objectives. Continue to just take things back to the goals for the product. That makes the conversation go a lot easier. Pretend you're dealing with difficult people. A lot of those same things you do with difficult people can be used in the setting of a design review. And don't, like I said, don't rely on them for critique because you really won't get productive critique from them. Collaborative activities. Who likes to brainstorm? <laughs> All right, brainstorms. <laughs> San Dimas High School football rules. Um, so brainstorms are popular because people think it's a great way to, to get in and collaborate and work together. And I definitely understand that. But for me, I've not necessarily experienced a brainstorm that way. What usually happens is we get something idea, we put it up on the wall, then everyone else starts presenting their ideas in light of that idea that's already up there. So that first idea has influenced what everyone else is going to do. There's no room for individual exploration. That's why I like things like Design Studio, because you can do individual exploration, then you can go into group exploration, and it just helps. It helps people think. It helps generate a lot more ideas than a brainstorm is, does. And brainstorms are supposed to generate lots of ideas, but always they're just iterations and branches of the same idea. So it's really good to possibly like avoid those and suggest doing Design Studio. I can explain Design Studio if we had more time. 
if you know, since we don't, please come and uh, chat with me afterwards, and I'm happy to talk to you through that. One thing is they just kind of don't have brainstorms don't have a lot of focus. There's not a structure there in place to help people think and have and have dialogue about the design. So what I usually do is when we do something like Design Studio, this is this right here is a super collaborative space, right? This is where the magic happens. Cut it in half, and the first half of the exercise you do divergent thinking. This is everyone digging in themselves, giving people short periods of time to come up with as many ideas as they can, receive critique, and then refine those ideas. Right? So there's like lots of ideas being generated. Then on the other side, once you've done with that and you get to the back end of Design Studio, you get into convergent thinking. And this is where everyone starts to come together to hone all those ideas into a few core ideas. And the beauty is the way you get there is by using critique. Critique is such an important part of the conversation we have around design, and it's the absolute core of collaboration. Think about the, the, the discussions you're having about the products now. Think about how you can go back and start to engage people. Don't feel like you have to go take over the world tomorrow, but go just start conversations. Find allies. Find advocates with your clients and your companies and see what you can do to start having more productive conversations. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you guys very much. I don't know if we have time for questions, but if not, I'll answer anything you have to ask me, whether here, up here, or down there. So.